Well, let's come together again into the book of Philippians. And as we read this, this letter that Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, um, it really is just a, a declaration of how good God is. In fact, that's what he is doing. He is just explaining to them that, that man, you would not believe that even though I am here in prison, uh, I am enchained uh, because of uh, the testimony of the gospel, and yet I rejoice. And over and over again, he, he just tells them the reasons why he is rejoicing even in the midst of, of these circumstances. And so it is just a declaration of how good God is. And um, uh, it, is, it is the purpose that he wants to show them is not just to let them know how joyous he is, but to give us principles that we need to remember that when we go through these same kind of storms or valleys, uh, that the same principles that he focused on, we can focus on and we can find the same strength of joy uh, that he found because it is not just for him and he, it is not uh, just a special thing that he experiences but it is something that all of us and he wants all of us to experience that same joy um, no matter what we go through so let's pick it up again and and we're going to read it through and then we're going to look at um, uh, today probably the most central thought that everything else uh, uh, revolves around. And, and so this is kind of the key source of all of our joy. Um, and, and everything else will, uh, will build upon this. So we pick it up, Philippians chapter 1, uh, in verse 1. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always uh, in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will, be, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart and you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may be able to approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, that you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, and they are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. 
and the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. But what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will all turn out for my deliverance. And here's our verses today. And it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Uh, we see this statement is probably the, the, the most well-known statement of this book, the book of Philippians. Um, uh, and, and it really is the center uh, core that everything else comes off of. He's saying, for me to live is Christ. You see, he's saying, everything else is just secondary, but my joy comes from knowing that my life has one purpose, and that purpose is Christ. And to die, well, that's just, that's just gain. Uh, that is not a fear of mine, because that is, is just the culmination uh, of receiving all the rewards that God has laid up for me. Now, when we read that line, for me to live is Christ, uh, for many of us, uh, it is something that seems to be an obligation. Um, it's like, yes, oh man, for me to live as Christ. Uh, and it seems like there's something that, that man, I just got to uh, work hard during life. So, so life is just something that I've just got to put my nose to the grind and, and I've got to live for Christ. And then when I die, then everything will be better. Um, and, and so the life part seems to be just, okay, we got to just live for Christ. Uh, it's an obligation that we have that is something that we just, we get through so that we can get to the goal. That's not what Paul is saying. In fact, Paul does not say for me to live as Christ as an obligation. In fact, if you go back, it says, uh, what leads up to that, it says, I am eagerly expecting and hoping in my life for Christ. He says, when I live for Christ, it is with eager expectation and hope. In other words, I am glad to live for Christ. In fact, the fact that I have to live for Christ, the fact that I no longer get to live for myself is actually a joy. That is the source of my joy, that to live is Christ. Um, it is not something that that is a sacrifice. I don't lose anything. In fact, it is something that I long for because what better gift have I been given than to live for Christ? Um, he sees it as this, that I have found the purpose of my life. You know what? The greatest joy 
that you can ever experience in life is to know your purpose and to accomplish it. You know what? There's, there is a peace. There is a sense of fulfillment when you know that you have fulfilled the purpose of your life. And there's a joy of being able to be a part of what you were really created to do. You see, Paul says, I have found the joy of my life because I have found the purpose of my life. Many of us, uh, we struggle with the things that are going on around us. We struggle with our circumstances. You know why? Because we've not found the purpose of our life. The reason we struggle with the circumstances is because many times they have uh, uh, taken away what we thought was the purpose of our life. You see, many of us, we have put our joy in being able to do the things uh, that please us. And so when we go through hard times, it seems to take away our purpose. And so for some of us, our purpose is um, uh, to be able to um, accomplish certain things. Uh, many of us, the purpose of our life is found in pleasure. The purpose in our life is found in um, uh, raising our family. The purpose in our life is found in, in uh, acquiring things or making more money or uh, uh, advancing at the job and being successful. And so when things go wrong, it seems to steal our joy because all of a sudden we've lost purpose. We've lost our identity. And we need to understand that we were created for one thing. It wasn't uh, to be able to do what we want. Many times we think that, that the purpose in our life is just to be able to finally do what we want. You know, uh, when we're young, and I'm speaking to teenagers out there that are listening, uh, many times the purpose is just to get through school so that then I can live my life, that I can get out of the house and I can do finally what I want. I'm going to tell you, even when that time comes, you know what? You will find that many times you, you are more disappointed because it's not what you thought it would be. And I'll tell you why, because we were not created simply uh, to create our own life, to do what we want. In fact, that was the lie of the very first sin. Uh, when Satan came into the garden, he told Eve, you know what? You would be so much happier if you just ate that fruit because don't you know God is trying to keep you from the joy of your life, which is doing what you want. And yet after they ate and when they did what they want, it says that they were ashamed. You notice that word? They were ashamed. When they got what they wanted, it wasn't really all that it was cracked up to be. Because, you see, they didn't realize the consequences of that because they were not created for that. It's like using something for something that it was not created for. Uh, it's like um, uh, using a uh, a screwdriver to pound a nail. Uh, it, it's not, it's going to be hard. It's like uh, uh, using a, um, uh, a hammer to cut down a tree. You could eventually do it, but it's going to be hard work. And, and it, it's going to be slow and it's going it, it, to bring pain. 
and many times damage to you because you're using something that's not created. And that's what, when we try and live for our own desires, even though it seems to be enjoyable for the short term, we end up in, in regret, we end up empty, and many times damaged and hurt. Uh, other people around us are hurt because we are not created for that. We were created for Christ. Um, we were created to find the joy, the fullness of life that God has to give. Now, here's the thing. Many times we think, when we think of, I was created for Christ, oh, great, that, that's for someone else. But yet you don't realize that to be created for Christ means that Christ desire is that you might enjoy life to the fullest. So when we sacrifice our life, we don't actually lose. We actually gain more life by sacrificing. Jesus said, if you will lose this life, you will actually gain life. And I know it doesn't make sense and the world doesn't understand that. But yet Paul says, I have found this meaning that has made everything different. Uh, now, the meaning is that I, for me to live, is Christ. If we go to uh, Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 1, uh, this is where he explains this understanding uh, of our purpose. In Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 15, he's speaking of Jesus. Who is Jesus? He says this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. You see, Paul says, I have come to this revelation that God has shown me that everything was created for Christ, which we are part of that everything. Your reason for living is to enjoy and to partner with Christ. Now, here's the thing. Christ is the very source of life and pleasure and joy and happiness. So if you were created for Christ, God is saying, then you were created for joy, for happiness, to enjoy all of creation. See, that doesn't sound like uh, being created to be a slave or just to be a, 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 a servant to someone who uses you, but you were created as the... The, the love of his heart. And it says that he came to give us abundant life. I, I've quoted this saying of John Piper uh, many times because I think it is true that we were created to glorify God, that our very life is meant to glorify God. But here's the thing. God is never more glorified in us than when we are satisfied in him. So you see, when we begin to give up everything to glorify God, what you actually receive is God gives us everything to
to be satisfied in him. God's desire is for us to enjoy him, to be full, uh, to find uh, the purpose and meaning of life in him. Uh, and so when we do give up everything for him, we actually gain everything for us. And this is the heart of Christ. And, and so Paul is saying, do you understand that there is joy in understanding your purpose? That your purpose to live is Christ. Now, what does that mean to live is Christ? So what does that mean uh, that my purpose is Christ? Well, he uses this word to describe it, and uh, it is the word mystery. Um, uh, he says, you know what, this is why people have not understood what God was doing from the very beginning. Even in the Old Testament, he was preparing us, and he was slowly building the foundation uh, for this purpose, this mystery that was not understood before. It was not for us to serve him religiously. Uh, even though he gave the law, the law was a revelation of the character of who God was, that he was a holy God. But it was not meant for us to simply follow a list of rules, of do's and don'ts, uh, and find purpose in that. The rules, the do's and don'ts, were to lead us uh, to this place to where then uh, he would live in us. So the mystery, and in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, this is where he explains that his purpose was found in this mystery. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, he says this, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. You see, he says, I, my purpose in life is to represent, that's what an ambassador does, my purpose is to represent the mystery of this gospel. Uh, so our purpose to live as Christ means that we are representatives of this mystery, that we were called, that we are meant to live as a reflection of this mystery. Um, now, what is this mystery? Again, in uh, we come back to Colossians uh, uh, chapter 1, and he says this. This is the revelation of what that mystery is. Uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 25, he says, I have become a servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now being disclosed to the saints. So not just to Paul, but to all of us. This mystery, uh, this purpose in life is, is being revealed to all of us. And what is this pur purpose? Uh, it is being revealed to all the saints. To them, God has chosen to, be, to make known, even among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The mystery is that God wants to live in us and through us. In other words, God wants us to experience his own life. We were created to come into fellowship with God. 
that Christ would be in us. Not just something that we serve, but something we become. Uh, this is the mystery uh, that was not understood, uh, that God wanted to be with us. See, before everyone thought God was way up there, that we, you know, we can only serve God. We can only try and appease God or please God. And God says, no, here's the mystery that through Jesus, that's why he came to die for us. He came to die so that we don't have to serve him, him anymore, but that now we can live with him, that we can actually enter in to the life of Christ. And so when it says for my purpose to live as Christ, for me to live as Christ, it means that everything I do is a partnership and it is a fellowship with Christ. Now, uh, when he talks about that, that purpose in Christ, notice he uses two words uh, in Philippians, in our verse that we read, it says that I eagerly, and that eagerly means that there's that joy there. I, I joyously, I, I, I anticipate, man, I, I so much want to live with God. I, I, I want to, I want him to be in me. Um, for two things, and he does it in two ways. First of all, I find joy in the expectation, okay? In the expectation. Now that is, in other words, something that God is gonna do. I truly expect that God is gonna be honored in me, not because of anything I do, but because of what Jesus did. So I find joy in the fact that though I am weak, God chose me, that Jesus is doing a work in me. Remember back earlier, he said, I know that he who started a good work in you will complete it. You can find joy knowing that your purpose of life is not up to you. You don't have, you don't have to worry about saying, man, my purpose in life is to glorify God, is to be with God. I don't know if I can do that. That's a big purpose. He says, no, you can find joy knowing that God is going to do it in you, that you can look forward to, you can earnestly expect, eagerly expect God to be honored in you, that he is going to do a work in you and he is gonna give you a life that you will enjoy. You see, God is gonna do that in you because Jesus has done it. So I eagerly expect, but it also says, I eagerly hope that I won't be ashamed. Now, he's saying, not only do I expect God, and so I'm confident that God is going to do it in me, but I don't want God just to do it in me. I want to also honor God. I don't want to sit back and say, okay, God, you did it all. Even though I know I can't do it at all, and I am a, I am a weak person, I know that I fail all the time, but I still out of love for what he is doing, I want to be a part of that. And so he says, I eagerly hope. In other words, I hope to not be ashamed. In other words, what I can do, I will do. I know I may make mistakes, but I'm gonna put every effort that I can into not being ashamed of Christ so that he will be glorified in me, that he will be exalted in me. Um, he says, I don't want to regret anything. 
I know uh, that I am not perfect. But with the joy that is in me, I'm going to give it all I can to not be ashamed of Christ. Um, and that being ashamed is not talking about when I get to heaven. He's saying, I eagerly hope that I won't be ashamed right now as I live among other people. God, he said, give me courage. He says, through the courage that God gives me, give me courage to live Christ out in front of other people, no matter what they think. I want Jesus to shine through me. In other words, I want everything I do, I want other people to see Jesus in me. That's what my whole purpose of life. So that is what it means for me to live as Christ. Now, for me to live as Christ means that God is going to do something in me, that he has made me a new creation, something I could not do. But for me to live as Christ also means that I am going to partner with him. I am going to be satisfied in him and I'm going to find joy in him so that everything I do, that I will not be ashamed, but that I will courageously exalt Christ in everything I do. That means um, uh, at my work, when I work, God help my work be a reflection of you. Uh, when I'm at home, when I'm speaking to people, uh, when I'm at play, when I'm on the ball field, let it just be a reflection of the joy that I have in you. Let my words be a reflection of you for me to live as Christ. Let the joy of the Lord come out of me even when I'm hurt. God, when I am hurt physically, emotionally, God, I pray let that be an opportunity for me to reflect what you did when you were hurt. You see, you were crucified for me. So when I feel like I'm being crucified, let me reflect the glory that you have given me. Because I know that when I am broken and when I am hurt and when I go through hard times, you see, I still have a hope waiting for me. And so therefore, why get upset? Because this life is only temporary. Why get so caught up in the downturns of this life? Because this life is not where I am uh, destined to be. I am not a citizen of this world. So I am going to use all those things as opportunities to simply exalt uh, the Lord in my body. And so we need to start thinking, how are we reacting to people? Are we reflecting the mystery that Christ is in me? Are we uh, 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 just letting our own desires well up? You see, the shame, remember that, remember that word we talked about, he said, I don't want to be ashamed. I want to do everything I can for Christ. The shame comes, what he's saying is, I don't want to be ashamed and that refers us back to Adam and Eve. The only time they were ashamed was when they lived for themselves, when they did what they wanted. Um, and so Paul says, God, give me the courage not to just do what I want. How many of us need to have find joy in not doing what we want, but doing what God would want? And knowing that when we do what God would want and reflecting God, we're actually going to be happier than if we had just lived by what we wanted. Because when we just live by what we want, it brings shame and guilt and regret. Um, it turns into that. 
In the short term, we might enjoy it, but in the long run, we will have nothing to show for it. So Paul says, let me not be ashamed. My hope, my eager joy is that, God, you would be exalted in my body. So let's look real quick. How do we exalt God in our body? I mean, we've talked about in our words and how we act and how we react. But I want to look at what the word of God, because Paul uses this word, the mystery uh, of, of God, several times. In other words, he, he talks about this purpose that we have. Remember, the mystery of God is that our purpose for being is, is Christ in us. Um, we were created for Christ. That is why we are alive. No other reason. And so either you are accomplishing your purpose or you are living for yourself, which is going to eventually bring shame. And I don't think any of you want to bring shame on yourself, on your family, or on God. Many times the shame that we bring for living for ourselves is we bring shame on God. We bring shame on those around us. Um, and so instead, Paul says, we need to be people that live uh, for Christ, uh, reflecting this mystery. How is this mystery reflected? So let's look at uh, different places where Paul specifically talked about living out the mystery of Christ in us. Um, uh, let's look in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 9. He says this, And he made known to us the mystery of, of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, even Christ. So he said uh, this mystery that was commissioned by Christ uh, is not just Christ in us, but what it is leading to is that the desire the reason Christ is in us is because his purpose that he is trying to fulfill is he is trying to bring everything and put it back together. It says to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head. In other words, back into Christ the way they were meant to be at the very beginning. So what he's saying is the purpose of Christ is to bring everything back together. So one of our purposes, if we are going to exalt Christ, we need to be people of healing. Your purpose in everything you do is you are just one small place where Christ is putting everything back together. Your purpose is not to stir things up. Your purpose is not to uh, bring criticism or to throw your opinion in the hat just to, uh, well, this is how I feel. You know what your purpose is? Is to bring healing. We are always... In everything we do, we need to say, God, how can you make things better? How can I bring healing into this situation? How can I bring wholeness? The word there to be together is actually shalom, which is wholeness. You are the representative of Christ to let people know that though they are broken, they can be put back together. You are the very picture of love that Christ is telling the people around you that they can be made whole in him. We need to reflect the wholeness that Christ brings. Are you the element of wholeness in your life? Are you the thing that holds things together, that brings things back together, uh, maybe on the work site, maybe at home in your marriage, 
even on the ball field or, or uh, with your friends, you need to understand that our purpose is to speak healing, uh, to, 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 to bring people back together, uh, to bring wholeness in life. The second way that we exalt God um, is talked about in Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25, it says, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. So again, he reveals the mystery of Christ in us and it is now revealed and made known through the prophetic uh, writings by the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey him. You see, not only is Jesus putting things back together, but you see, Jesus is saying, the revelation of my gospel is meant to bring nations back together, that all nations would be drawn to him. There is a sense of inclusiveness, uh, the sense that, that we are to bring people back together, but not just back together uh, 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 socially, and that is good. We, do, we need to be agents of justice that bring reconciliation be, between people, but that reconciliation between people has only one purpose, and that is to bring them to Christ. If we do not bring people to Christ, then all the social reform is for naught. Because see, our social and cultural uh, world is not going to last. But we need to let everyone know. And I love this. It says all nations. We do need to be people that break down the barriers between black and white, Hispanic and, and Asian. Um, it doesn't matter. In God, there is no color. And we need to be people that express that. But the reason we express that is not to just bring peace in the world, but is to let them know that they are all accepted by Christ, that God died for all of them, that no one is excluded. Not just so that we get along with each other, but so that they would know the love of God, that God died for them. So we need to not only make peace uh, uh, between uh, ethnicities, but we need to begin to reflect the fact that God loves them and that God wants them to know him, to believe in him so that they too may have life. And, and so there is this sense of inclusiveness under Christ. Do we reflect, do we even express the call that Christ uh, wants them to know him? Do we let our friends know that? Do, do we reflect Christ to them in such a way that, that we let them know that, that God is the answer. We need to let our friends know that they can know life through him. We need to reflect that we have found life through him. Uh, maybe sometimes it's not about preaching. It's just about communicating the fact that the only reason I have joy is not because I'm doing this activity, but it's because of what God has done in me. We need to constantly reflect God, that God is the source of our joy and letting that draw other people.
And it is in that reconciliation that the mystery of God is lifted up. Well, not only that, it says this. It says that in Romans chapter 11, verse 25, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery. Again, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. So Paul says, I want you to understand the mystery so that you won't be conceited like Israel was. And he explains that conceited is not just a pridefulness, but that pridefulness comes, and this is the word he uses, says they have experienced a hardening. There's a hardening in our heart when we do not understand that Christ lives in us. You see, there's joy knowing that Christ wants to live in us. But what happens without it, without knowing uh, the fact that Jesus wants to give us life and enjoyment, we get hard. And without the mystery, uh, there is a hardness because this world hardens us. When we live for ourselves, we become hardened. Pleasure hardens us. You might say pleasure would be the greatest thing, but you don't realize that the more and more pleasure you get, the harder and harder you get. You see, pleasure, living for yourself, it, it sounds fun, but you know what? It's like an addict. And, and we all know that when you're addicted to a drug, what happens, the drug slowly hardens your nerves. And I don't know exactly how it works, but it makes it so that you need more and more of the drug to get less and less of the pleasure. And why is that? Because you're, you're becoming hardened even to the pleasure. To where after a while, the drug doesn't even give you pleasure anymore. You see, that's what, that's what this world is doing for us. And we are to be people that bring this mystery of Christ to let them know that God wants to give them a new heart. We need to be agents of softening. If we will realize that Christ lives in us, then we need to be the people uh, that offer uh, a soft answer, that offer compassion, that offer uh, the fact that God wants to soften and give us a new tender heart. But many times we respond even more hard, like a, uh, in, a, in a pharisaical way, whereas we become too religious and that is not the mystery of Christ. Joy comes when we realize that God is in us and that there is the hope of softening, softening that God has given us. And so when we treat people, we need to treat them with the love that softens their heart. And we need to reflect Christ, that there is a God who can give us a new heart. Now, I know that's hard when we deal with people that are hard because when they're hard, uh, it's very hard to get through that, but th this is how Jesus is. We just keep loving them. The only way you soften something many times is just to keep pouring over it. If you ever have an old leather glove, you know what? You have to just rub the oil in, but it's not just one time. You got to keep rubbing it in and you just give it another coat of oil and another coat of oil and it takes time and it takes work. We are called to be the people who bring the oil of softening into the world. So instead of being people who cause hardness, we need to understand the joy of bringing Christ and seeing his softening touch happen 
among us. Another area, we go back to Colossians chapter 1. And when he talks about the mystery of Christ, uh, it says that the, the, the mystery is revealed, which is Christ in you. But then he, what does he say that mystery is? The hope of glory. If we are going to reflect Christ, then we need to begin to be people who give hope. People of hope. Uh, we need to let people see that hope. We need to let people know that there is hope. There is not condemnation in Christ, but God loves them and there is hope for them. We are not there to take away their hope, but we are there to love them. And so when we do that, we exalt Christ in our body. And the final one in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, he says this, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, when we begin to let Christ live in us. He gives us the ability to bring understanding into every situation. It says that in Christ, there is the riches of wisdom and knowledge. You know what? Many times you need to reflect God by being the, the voice of wisdom. That in a situation, and we need to pray, God, give me the ability to reflect your wisdom, to give guidance when they feel lost. Because when we begin to lift up Christ, it says that he will bring complete understanding. And, and it says that knowledge, what is the knowledge? It is not just knowledge of what to do or knowledge of how things work. The knowledge, Paul talks about, it says, I pray that you would have the knowledge, and what is it of? The knowledge of the depth and the height and the width and the length of the love of Christ. You see, the wisdom and the knowledge that we bring to people around is the knowledge of the love of Christ. When we bring and reflect the love of Christ, I'm telling you, it brings wisdom. It will bring understanding. It will bring uh, uh, sometimes uh, the understanding of what to do in a situation that we would have never known. But it is only as we love with the love of Christ, that we begin to understand how much God loves us. And I think our joy begins to overflow when we understand how much God loves us. So we see these words that Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The joy that comes from knowing that you have completed your purpose and your purpose is to walk with Christ, that Christ wants to live in you. He wants to give you life abundantly. He wants to give you joy and happiness and peace that goes beyond all understanding for me to live as Christ. Let's make this dedication that, that everything we do is going to reflect the mystery of Christ in us. God, help me 
to bring wholeness to people around me. Help me to draw people to Christ, to include every person. Help me uh, to, to bring softness and healing. Help me to bring hope and wisdom. But more than anything, let me not be ashamed. But God, I pray that Jesus would be exalted in everything we do. And when we do that, I will experience joy like never before. Will you embrace the mystery and let Christ live in you? Let's pray.